Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today we're talking about the life and times of Sandra Day O'Connor, a one-time cattle rancher who blazed a trail by becoming the first female justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. The day was July 7, 1981. President Ronald Reagan nominated Court of Appeals Judge Sandra Day O'Connor to be the first woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. Despite some public opposition to her nomination, including from members of her own party, she was unanimously confirmed by the Senate and sworn in later that year. During her first year on the job, O'Connor received a staggering 60,000 letters from private citizens. Most of this correspondence was positive, but there was a good amount of hate mail, too. The negative letters were generally baseless enough to brush off, Things like, back to your kitchen, and this is a job for a man. But the vitriol showed that even though she'd been hand-picked by the president and unanimously confirmed by the Senate, there was still a percentage of the population that couldn't stand the thought of a woman in power. Thankfully, O'Connor was made of much sterner stuff than her detractors. Her childhood upbringing had all but assured that. Sandra Day was born in El Paso, Texas, on March 26, 1930. 
She grew up on her family's vast cattle ranch on the New Mexico-Arizona border. The property had been passed down through her family for a couple generations, but despite its large size, it wasn't worth that much when Sandra's father inherited it. The day's one-bedroom house didn't have electricity or running water, and scraping together enough income to survive was a constant struggle. Still, thanks to their unrelenting work ethic, the family eventually prospered by repairing wells and raising cattle for slaughter. Sandra played an important role in that success. Even at a young age, she was branding cattle, driving tractors, and warding off coyotes with her trusty 22 caliber rifle. But Sandra's parents also recognized how intelligent she was, and they knew she couldn't get the formal education she deserved on the ranch. So instead, they sent her to live with her grandmother in El Paso, where she attended an all-girls private school for her primary education. Not long after, Sandra was allowed to skip two grades and go straight to Stanford University at age 16. There, she met a law professor named Harry Rathman. Sandra had enrolled as an economics major, but her encounters with Rathman sparked an interest in law that convinced her to pursue a completely different path. The professor frequently made passionate arguments about civic duty and the satisfaction that comes from serving your community. That message struck a chord with Sandra, who had grown up as an independent cowgirl, 25 miles from her closest neighbor. Inspired by the idea that anyone could make a difference, she decided to go to law school and to devote her life to public service. After graduating at the age of 20, Sandra started attending Stanford Law School, which is where she met the love of her life and future husband, John J. O'Connor. They got married soon after in 1952, the same year they both graduated law school. Sandra Day O'Connor had been one of the top students in her class. She actually ranked third, with the top spot going to another future Supreme Court member, William Rehnquist. But when she graduated, not a single law firm was willing to hire her. In fact, when she finally did land an interview with a California law firm, it was only as a favor to one of her friend's fathers. And even then, when she got to L.A. for the interview, the firm made it clear that they had never hired a female lawyer before and didn't intend to start. Instead, they asked O'Connor how well she could type and offered to bring her on as a legal secretary. It was an inauspicious start to her career, but thankfully, O'Connor soon caught wind of a law firm in San Mateo that already had a female lawyer on staff. She went to the office and asked for a job, but the county attorney said they didn't have the budget for a new hire or even a place for her to work. However, Sandra knew that that was the only place where she'd be able to get a foot in the door, so she convinced the firm to take her on by agreeing to work for free and to share desk space with the administrative assistant. It was a raw deal, one of many she had to endure during her early years in law. In the early 1950s, the O'Connors moved to Phoenix, where Sandra opened a small walk-in law practice in a strip mall. She maintained it for a few years, while also getting more and more involved with local Republican politics. A short while later, Sandra actually stepped away from her practice for five or six years to be a stay-at-home mom for her three boys. And I use the term stay-at-home rather loosely as O'Connor stayed so busy with various volunteer civic and community groups that it's kind of a misnomer. 
I mean, just listen to this resume. O'Connor served on the Governor's Committee on Marriage and Family and as an administrative assistant at the Arizona State Hospital. She volunteered at a school for minorities. She wrote test questions for the Arizona bar exam. And she acted as an advisor to the Salvation Army. Something tells me she wasn't staying at home all that often. Years later, after the kids were a little older, O'Connor went right back to work in earnest. At first, she was a part-time assistant for the Attorney General because no private firm was willing to hire her. However, the Arizona governor was so impressed with her work that he later appointed her to a vacant seat in the state Senate. The next year, in 1970, Sandra formally won that seat, and just a few months later, her fellow Republicans voted her in as America's first female state majority leader. A decade later, in 1981, O'Connor was serving on the Arizona State Court of Appeals when she was invited to Washington, D.C. to meet with President Reagan. The two hit it off right away, swapping stories about horse riding and life on the range. Reagan had won the women's vote by campaigning on the promise that he would nominate a woman to the Supreme Court to replace the retiring Justice Stewart. In Sandra Day O'Connor, Reagan found the perfect candidate to help him keep his promise. Her nomination to the Supreme Court was announced on July 7th of that year, and at the end of her confirmation hearings, the Senate voted unanimously to endorse her nomination. On September 25th, 1981, she was sworn in as the first woman justice in U.S. Supreme Court history. Once on the bench, the then 51-year-old O'Connor set herself apart, not only by her gender and relative youth, but also by her level-headed approach to cases. As one of her clerks, Ronnell Anderson Jones, later recalled, quote, Eternally a ranch girl, she wanted solutions that really worked and had little patience for esoteric theory that had no grounding in reality. That's something that can be seen right from the start of her time with the court. For example, in 1982, the court heard a case called Mississippi University for Women v. Hogan. A male student, Hogan, had raised the complaint after being denied admission to an all-female nursing school. Justice O'Connor sided with the student, believing that the school's gender-based enrollment policy was invalid because it, quote, perpetuated the stereotyped view of nursing as an exclusively women's job. Rather than siding with the women of the college in the short term, O'Connor took a practical approach that helped break down the stigma surrounding the nursing profession. One of the most striking features of O'Connor's tenure on the Supreme Court is how she seemed to go her own way on many traditionally partisan issues. To be clear, she was a moderate conservative, and she tended to vote as such for the most part. But she also had a reputation for caring more about how legal matters would affect individuals than she did for towing the party line or for rigidly adhering to legal precedent. For instance, O'Connor bucked conservative expectations in 1992 when the court had to decide whether it was constitutional to require women to notify their spouses before obtaining an abortion. In her written opinion, O'Connor called the measure, quote, repugnant to our present understanding of marriage and of the nature of the rights secured by the Constitution. Women do not lose their constitutionally protected liberty when they marry. O'Connor also cast the deciding vote to uphold Roe v. Wade 
which drew a lot of ire from her Republican colleagues. That wasn't the only time that happened either, as O'Connor was actually responsible for the determining vote in many of the court's 5-4 decisions. This gave her a reputation as a swing vote, since you could never really predict where she would come down on some of the more divisive issues of the day. O'Connor herself never liked being called a swing vote because she thought it implied she lacked principles and was kind of fickle in her decision-making. That wasn't the case, of course, and you need look no further for proof than her own opinions during the George W. Bush administration. She sided with her party in the year 2000 when she cast the deciding vote that ended the Florida recount for the contested presidential race. But then, in 2004, she went against the man she helped elect when faced with the Hamdi v. Rumsfeld case. This was an instance where the court was tasked with deciding whether an American citizen is still entitled to the due process of law after being named an enemy combatant by the president. O'Connor voted in favor of due process, and in her opinion, she reminded her party that, quote, a state of war is not a blank check for the president when it comes to the rights of the nation's citizens. For nearly 30 years, O'Connor served on the Supreme Court, where she often cast the deciding vote on a number of deadlocked political and social issues. Whether you agree with her personal politics or not, there's no denying the impact she had, not just on our legal institutions, but on the roles that women serve within them. As the first female justice, she showed the world exactly why women deserve a place on America's highest court. She once remarked, quote, It's all right to be the first to do something, but I certainly didn't want to be the last woman on the Supreme Court. And thankfully, she wasn't. In fact, the current sitting Supreme Court includes four women, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Amy Coney Barrett, and Katanji Brown-Jackson. O'Connor herself retired in 2005 in order to care for her husband John, who had been suffering with Alzheimer's. It's not like retirement slowed her down much, though. In 2009, she started a free online civics education program for middle schoolers called iCivics. It basically allows students to research and argue actual law cases and to take part in mock-ups of realistic government situations, all in the form of video games. According to O'Connor, this venture to make learning civics fun is the most important thing she's ever done. And it seems to be working so far. iCivics is used by educators in all 50 states, and about 5 million students use it each year. It's impressive that after a lifetime of public service, Sandra Day O'Connor still felt the drive to help instill a sense of civic duty in the next generation. Although, given her track record, I guess that shouldn't be too surprising. As she once said, quote, I'm not accustomed to sitting around doing nothing. And that's putting it lightly. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you want to keep up with the show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.